0: Hey, howdy! Welcome to It's Just a Countdown, part game show, part public service, where we rank anything and everything to tell you what is number one and what is number 10. The topics range from the esoteric
1: to the mundane, from fictional to non fictional, and from the worst to the
0: best. I am your host, Zane. And I'm JJ. And today we are talking about Cryptids. Ooh.
1: The format works like this. Each person will give their entry starting from 10 and give a small defense of their awful choice, and then everyone else will do the same, moving up from 9 all the way down to their pr- 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 Now you got it. <laughs> well, yeah, keep it. Pick up, uh, moving up from 9 all the way to their supremely bad take at number 1.
0: Once all lists are complete, we will decide on a unanimous best thing for the topic, and it will be honored in the hall of best things ever. If you want to submit an idea for us to rank, please do so at itsjustaccountdown at gmail.com, and we just might rank some items in your topic. Baboom. Indeed. <laughs> I'm very
1: excited for this. Me too. This is a really fun one for me, um, because I feel like like, like, like Agent Mulder, I I want to believe Encrypteds. I think it's very fun okay. to believe, whether I actually believe or not. I, you know, maybe I won't rule it out entirely, but I don't. You know, just it's a lot of fun.
0: I'm getting some really sick cryptid noises here from the famed urban myth guy with uh, a lawnmower.
1: Ooh, that's a spooky one. He didn't make my list, but guy with a lawnmower's. You know, that's some fucked up stuff.
0: Mhm. Mm. Normally it doesn't come through, but it absolutely came through today, so we'll see what <laughs> we can do about that. <laughs> uh, it's just part of the part of the
1: fun deal here we have. Mhm. Well, who started us off last time? I think it was me? Let's see. I think it was you too. I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, so uh you want to just jump right into the cryptids on on this one? For me, you, oh, you should I jump into the cryptids?
0: <laughs> I think you should. I think you should uh, crypt us out. All
1: right. Jumping into our countdown top ten cryptids. For me, this one's a little new and a little strange and might mostly just come from the internet. But I think one of the spookiest and creepiest of all the new cryptids to kind of come out in recent years is the Rake. Ooh, I, the rake. The rake. Uh, and honestly, as you go through this podcast, I highly encourage to look up some of these images. Because the rake is a horrifying idea and mental image. And um, I love that it probably did just come from creepypastas and the internet. And during my research, I also found a lot of stories about something called crawlers. And the crawlers, at least to me, seem just like the Rake. And um, it's just so unsettling that there's this tall, lanky, gray-skinned, skinny, humanoid-type thing with these hollow features and just these awful eyes that seem dead and undead at the same time. I think it's such a cool and creepy idea, and one of the reasons that I put the rake on the list is because there is an idea floating around out in the world that some of these uh, creatures, cryptids, what have you, that may have started on the internet as maybe a, an image that was photoshopped or what have you, then, through the power of, of belief and fear and constant thought given to them it could manifest into something in our real world i think that idea is my favorite part of the
0: rake and it's really uncomfortable for me <laughs> for sure uh, i think i think my favorite thing with the rake has always been that it itself is not some like super powerful creature but what it just is and looks like like all the images that have ever like been made of it is like truly horrifying. Like if you ever saw it in real life, you would dip immediately and never return to whatever that area was. Oh man. It would
1: um, haunt me for the rest of my life. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the, and yeah, the rake is like you said, a very much like it, you know what? It's kind of like Slenderman. It's a lot uh, like good Slenderman. old Georgia. Slenderman. Yeah. Like Rob, rob slenderman we went to college together he was a good dude uh yeah that is a great (coughs) number 10 the rake was something i also uh flirted with putting on my list And uh, it did not make it, but the rake is a powerful creature in our minds.
1: Well, I'm glad, honestly, I'm glad that it didn't make yours, because I think we'll probably have a lot of overlap on this episode, and uh, it'll be fun to compare where all these overlaps fall in our ranking. I think one last thing about the rake, before we move to your number 10, is just, I, I mentioned briefly these crawlers. There's all these stories And not just from Reddit or Creepypastas, but there's stories from all over, and some that go back to like horror novels written years and years and years ago of maybe a more, you know, usually often like a neighborhood that's dark and maybe a little bit secluded. That's what I'm looking for. A little bit of a secluded neighborhood and late, late at night, I know I took tons of, like, 2 a.m. walks in my early 20s around the neighborhood or around, you know, 18, 19. And I would take these walks, and I, you know, like, the power of imagination, I can see the rake or these crawlers, you know, just shivering, shimming around the rooftops and over fences and the shadows, and you barely see it. What was that? Was this that? And uh the rake has more of a tendency to come into your room at night as well, which I think is just so
0: unsettling. Spine tingling.
1: Indubitably. Well, that's me. Thanks for listening to me stumble around finding words to fit the rake. Why don't you take us to your number ten?
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us to something that is perhaps equally as terrifying. Alright. Alright. Um this is The Beast of Busco. The Beast
1: of Busco? This is new to me. Do tell.
0: The Beast of Busco lives in the far-off world of Indiana. (laughs) And it is a giant snapping turtle.
1: Oh! oh, Look at this! That's that's intense. Snapping turtles are scary on a normal-sized scale.
0: Uh, yeah uh, snapping turtles if you've ever seen one in person uh immediately you just back away because it's dang- it just looks like danger yeah they lock um, your fingers off but my favorite thing about it is that only a few people have like seen it but this town of churubusco indiana uh has like created this whole thing for it because it's like their one thing yeah, is is this beast of Busco, and I love how normal it is, but just like expanded. It's just a turtle, but really big, really big. Um,
1: yeah, I looked this up. They say estimated five hundred pounds.
0: Like that's a dinosaur, right? That's a massive, massive dinosaur. Um, but that's really kind of all there is to it. Um, no one's seen it in a little while. I don't think. Um. But uh, I love that he's there. I love that he is still like the town mascot. Uh, He's just I love I just love like reptiles in general. Yeah. And the Beast of Busco is a great representation of that.
1: Dude, I love that. You just uh, shared with me a new cryptid that I was unaware of, which I'm really into this stuff. So uh, that's pretty cool. Congratulations (laughs) on that. That's very fun.
0: Well, thank you. Why don't you uh, hopefully enlighten me on some fun for your number nine?
1: All right. So number nine. Now, this one I debated. I went back and forth if I was going to put this on as a cryptid or not, because mostly I think it kind of stems from mythology and folklore for all these uh, different time periods. But what I love about it is that it seems to go back to like the beginning of man itself. Um, Or mankind, I should say. And that is a werewolf.
0: Ooh, the werewolf. The
1: werewolf. Our good old friend, the lycanthrope. Um, Mm. I think the idea of a werewolf is inherently unsettling to everybody. Being cursed or, you know, being bitten and given a curse or what have you. And then, you know, maybe it's the full moon, but being... Out of our own control and transforming into this hideous hellacious beast that is unstoppable and has great strength and this insatiable appetite for destruction and death is something that just speaks to us all inherently and i i love you know all these stories of werewolves going back i i read the dresden series um books and the, that's a lot of fun there's some great ideas on how you know, modern werewolves could work and it's a lot of these cool ideas, but what I found super interesting was going back in time in my research to look through this stuff and I even found werewolves, that idea, super important to Vikings. There was certain Vikings, there's this one in particular I read about, who would don the the pelt of a wolf with the head on top of his own to give himself this even greater ferocious image when he would, you know, storm these villages. And I was, I, I had no idea that Vikings held that so closely. And then I go on, and it's even Pliny the Elder has stories about this village where there's this small island in the swamps and, and men would go and strip down naked, swim across when they would reach that small island or whatever is on the other side of that water, would then turn into a wolf for nine years. If they could resist the urge to kill humans during those nine years, they were able to turn back into a human and swim back to their people. Um, But if they weren't able to control that, that urge to eat human flesh, they would stay a werewolf over in these waters and plenty the elder is goes way back lots of fun and then i even found we go back to the ancient greeks with this stuff which i had no idea about there was a king Lycan, and that's the root of lycanthrope or lycanthropy and apparently zeus as punishment turned this king into a wolf
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: so like, the history is just so rich and deep that I had to put it on there. And I think it really speaks to that like duality of humans, that there's this beast within all of us, and if we let it out, you might not be able to control it anymore or stop it. But if you are able to kind of keep it on lock and keep it under your skin, then you can uh, live your life with this curse and seemingly be normal.
0: Yeah, that's you know. Not only is it a cool is it a cool creature. It also comes with a good moral.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it is. That's what I like so much. All these uh, movies that they've been in for years and years. It's just a cool idea that people seem to really like, and I think a lot of that stems from what you just said.
0: Uh, well, I I am also familiar with the idea that there is a billion years of a werewolf. Uh, history and lore out there mm-hmm. and uh, werewolves make a great uh, idea particularly of like there was ever a uh, a real world like concern that a lycanthrope was around like it's been written about forever someone had to get the idea from somewhere you know it can't have just come from it can't have just come from the iliad right like right you know.
1: And and that's something that I think is super interesting that we're going to probably talk about again is that a lot of these things, werewolves especially, talk about all these different cultures that had no idea about the Iliad or about all these other stories or, or King Lycan whatever. And they still had the idea of a wolf man, of a walking wolf, mm-hmm. of all these different things they that so many different terms I've found for it. And they all came up with this idea kind of on their own. And yet they're all so similar that there had to be something that ties all of these cultures together to give them this idea.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's just very special.
1: Absolutely. I think it's super cool, super scary, super interesting Mm -hmm. and speaks to our, our human people very, very well. But I've gone on werewolves
0: Hmm. werewolves were also in Resident Evil Village, the brand new Resident Evil. Oh, I got to play that. That game looks Mm -hmm. pretty wicked.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, as much as I love werewolves, I could probably talk more about them. But I'm super interested to see what your number nine is.
0: My number nine is uh, a creature all the way from down under. Uh, It is the bunyip, the bunyip.
1: Ooh, you are laying some new ones
0: on me today.
1: Why don't you tell me about
0: that? The bunyip is described as, I believe it's a mixture between a seal and an alligator or like a furry alligator. Oh my. I forget, a bird and an alligator. Um, Whoa. And what it, it's sort of described as like a demon or like an omen of bad things. Yeah. And that is more or less the end of its uh, relevance. There's an idea that it came from like, uh, that it came from, for one thing, it originates in aborigine uh, Mm -hmm. folklore. Um, And there's an idea that a bunyip was banished down here because of some transgression that had occurred in uh, the, by the uh, rainbow serpent's greatest law, according to, the huh. wiki i am reading very um, cool but uh it it's sort of like this fun bigfoot-esque kind of creature um what's hilarious is that as the years have gone on scientists have proposed that uh what people were describing as a bunyip uh at the time are now more probably elephant seals oh that makes sense uh, that uh, they just they had no idea what they could be because right. there was no other creature like it. And as things went on and more animals were discovered and cataloged, uh, that's sort of also what's fun about cryptids mm-hmm. is cryptids that are old enough, uh, you learn eventually that they were just normal animals that no one knew how else to describe.
1: I love that idea. And I love how many of those you come across when you're looking this stuff up. That, uh, yeah, there's, you know, you think it's this evil water spirit. But over the years, and as people, scientists, catalog animals, we come to learn more about this mysterious cryptid beast and classify its genus and its kingdom and, and learn everything about it. And I think that that mm-hmm. is super interesting in just our pursuit of knowledge, you know.
0: Um, I will also say Bunyips I first was made aware of because as a child, there is an action platform or video game called tie the tasmanian tiger in which a bunyip is your spiritual guide that helps you along the game Uh, which is decidedly not how bunyips are depicted in real life as i was shocked to discover as a (laughs) nine-year-old uh but uh yeah it's that's how i first learned about them and so that's always the image i have in my head um but yeah i love bunyips they're very cool looking And all the artist renditions, even if they did just turn out to be seals. Uh, But that's my number nine. Just a very simple little Australian Aboriginal creature.
1: Very, very cool. I am all about the bunyip now that I know about it. This is super cool. Mm -hmm. And, And also, before we move on, I just think stories from the lore of indigenous people is so interesting. Mm-hmm. and uh, this wideness of the stories and the folklore, I just, I love, I could read about it all day when it comes to indigenous lore. I, I love it. I love it so much. And I think the bunyip is an amazing, amazing uh, idea and creature. It's so fun.
0: What is your, why don't you take us down, downtown to to your number eight? Eight, yes, eight. Number eight, and feeling
1: great. All right, so being an Arizona resident, this one, uh, I actually have a few that I think are very special to me because of our proximity to certain tribal cultures. And Mm -hmm. this one, not so much tribal or indigenous to North America, much more from Mexico, is La Chupacabra, the goat sucker. I, I think La Chupacabra is an amazing idea because there have actually been hoaxes that have been debunked and proven to be wrong. But then there's also this wide range of stories that go from Puerto Rico to Mexico to Maine to Chile, even to Russia or the Philippines and India. They all have this story about a goat sucker. Uh, and even if it's not killing goats the idea is that uh farmers or you know livestock developers what do you call a livestock person <laughs> a farmer uh, yeah like le- a farmer let's go with farmer because I- i'm probably a rancher maybe a rancher uh yeah, and you know i'm gonna talk a little bit more about this later but like there, a lot of these stories do come from skinwalker ranch too these animals found just totally drained of blood, but there's really only like two punctures and any other wild animal that they can think of, wolves or coyotes or what have you, even mountain lions, they tend to maul and maim to the point that like having an animal totally drained of its blood, laying stiff and dead on the ground and having no sign of that violence and instead just these two puncture wounds is so bewildering to me.
0: Wow. That is, I have to agree with all of that. And I will have so much more to say in an entry further down my list. Excellent.
1: And I am very excited to hear about it. It, it, it evokes such mystery that a lot of people even think sometimes these killings are like from a, satanic cult or something because it seems almost ritualistic but then you have a lot a lot a lot of stories of people in mexico in particular and i found puerto rico is like people have seen this weird looking creature that might honestly just be uh, a creature that exists that we know of that in the dark when you're freaked out and you know that your animals are dying you you know your imagination fills in the blanks of the shadows you know and whatever it is or maybe there is this uh vampiric blood sucking half dog half bear half lizard thing that exists out there and uh that idea is really spooky but cool to me
0: yeah uh out of all the cryptids it sort of has this uh, bigfoot style quality of its presence won't stop yeah uh the the idea of these animals keep dying in the ranch at night with these puncture wounds drained of all blood and nothing else yeah uh is very strange and it's just there's no good explanation for it
1: i agree i completely agree there's no good explanation and i mean even in like 2016 in india a zoologist who is well respected claims to have seen them you know and so all throughout Mm -hmm. time it it still perplexes us all these years later and that i think is what makes a cryptid much more fun of an idea to entertain is that it has lasted through time and yet no one really has a good defense for it super cool I think everyone pretty much knows about the chupacabras. So what's your number eight?
0: My number eight is the skunk ape. Oh, the skunk ape. The skunk ape is Bigfoot from Florida. In fact, some people just think it's Bigfoot. But if we're going to, I thought to myself, if Bigfoot's going to end up on this list, Mm -hmm. I have to pick one of its breed. I have to pick one of the ones people have named it that isn't just the Appalachian Bigfoot, you know? Absolutely. Um, So I went with the Skunk Ape because it's often described as smelling like a skunk, which is how it got its name. Mm -hmm. Um, And it being like mangy and gross and matted. And a lot of people write it off in terms of sightings as it being just a black bear out in the woods. Cause it stands up tall. Sure. Um, but like those kinds of bears out there, like they have smaller coats, so they look thinner. Uh, and that's frightening. So what? even if it is just a black bear, I'd still call it a skunk ape. Cause like a bear with a small coat is like frightening to look at. Oh yeah. Uh, uh the skunk ape, uh, also all the pictures people have done of it are a blackford Bigfoot instead of the traditionally like brown um mm-hmm. uh color that people do for like ones out in the Midwest and everything. Sure, like your Jack Link um,
1: Sasquatch, you know.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: It looks very uh, So different. that's
0: why that's why I put it on my list is cause it is just like a special breed. Cause a Bigfoot, spoilers, does not ever show up on my list. Uh yeah. but I figured one should why not the skunk ape.
1: I think you had an excellent idea focusing in on the skunk ape because when it comes to, like, the Bigfoot, there's just so many different types throughout the world that have been claimed or whatever, but the skunk ape is very different than a lot of them, and it kind of leads to believe that if if you are going to believe in Bigfoot, you have to believe that there's different types of them depending on where they come from. And even if it was a bear... Like, all these people, you know, have plenty yeah. of defenses for why Bigfoot shouldn't exist. Why does it smell so bad in Florida, then? <laughs> why does this bear stink to the point that it, like, singes your nose hairs and makes you want to run just because of the smell, you know?
0: Uh, have you ever read—you uh, like SCPs, right? Yeah. Have you ever read SCP-1000? I'm sure you have. 1000
1: um i don't it's it's been a little bit since i've gone through the catalog of scp but man i went like full tilt when i found that stuff so probably
0: scp 1000 was one that was recommended to me back in like 2012 when i first got into them Mm. and uh, i would recommend everybody if you have feelings about world famous cryptid bigfoot then maybe you should read scp 1000 and uh learn from there
1: duly noted just wrote down scp 1000 get at it so i'm gonna have to check it out after this episode for sure
0: uh why don't you take us down to numero numero uh siete that's that's seven
1: i think so yeah (laughs) so it is this has always been one of my favorites since i was a child um i i had this This book, you know, that I read all these different things of, and I think I got it from, like, my elementary school. Uh, I don't know why they had this in the library, but it had all these stories of all these different creatures. And the one that, like, painted such a mental image in my mind that, like, has just always stuck with me. I know exactly what I think this thing looks like. The story of the Jersey Devil is so fun, I think. Um, you know, it's, the lore comes from southern New Jersey, Philadelphia area, from the Pine Mm Barrens, but it goes all the way back to, to the Pilgrims, thinking there is this, uh, thing in the woods. There's this winged beast with hooves for feet, a forked tail, wings, and the head of a goat. Uh, you know, some people say it's more like a horse, but a goat and a horse, you got a kind of a similar shape. And if it has wings mm-hmm. and hooves, get the hell out of there. It doesn't matter. Um, it, it, it emits this high-pitched blood-curdling scream, which, uh, you know, to the defense of nature, lots of things do. If you've ever heard a mountain lion scream... It's, oh, yeah. it's one of the most horrific sounds. You would think maybe if you're very far away that like a woman is being murdered and that's the yeah. scream. But if you're close to it, it, it almost sounds like unnatural. So I can totally see how these sounds and the shadows of the forest can lead you to believe all this stuff. But the legend is what has painted this mental image for me. And I think it's so cool. The legend like varies a little bit from people to people, but mostly like the Quakers kind of came up with this idea. There was a woman called Mother Leeds, and people think it was like one of two people that actually existed, but Jane Leeds had 13 children, and some people believe that her 13th child died um, shortly after birth. Other people believe that her 13th child, either she was so sick of having babies, (laughs) that she was so mad that she was going to have another baby, that she was like, this baby's going to be the devil. Or that she was a witch, and for her 13th child, decided to give birth to the devil's child. And... I like this idea a lot because it, it, it lends itself to this idea that she had this weird uh, pregnancy and when she gave birth, you know, the legend says that it came out looking like a normal baby and when everyone let their guard down and, like, took care of it to make sure it would survive those first crucial moments outside of the womb, it quickly transformed into this demonic-looking beast. And then the, the legend says that it, It slapped everyone in the room like it smacked them all with its forked tail and then flew out the window and and went and lived in the Pine Barrens. And
0: I Um, love that. Yeah, uh, I will go ahead and just let everyone know the Jersey Devil is my number four.
1: Ooh yeah. Uh,
0: And I love the Jersey Devil because it is well known in New Jersey. It has been through many things. It's some people. There was one account of it. Uh, that had it like with a deer head and glowing eyes. A couple times they've said the Jersey Devil can breathe fire. My favorite thing is that the Jersey Devil is just a known piece of shit. That's kind of what he does. (laughs) Totally. He doesn't really, like, hurt a lot. He's
1: just a jerk. He's a total jerk. That thing is so scary and hellacious it probably could have killed everybody in that room, but instead it just smacked them all and then flew away. (laughs) And you even have all of new jersey naming a hockey team after it basically new jersey yes. devils all right go devils uh-huh.
0: it's it's perfect i
1: love it such an asshole of a cryptid such a jerk
0: i also love it's like chimera aspect like you talked about before of like yeah. being this combination of a few animals like mm-hmm. maybe not genetically but in terms of like iconography uh it's very it's very fun uh, I remember I watched a Destination Truth episode, I think, I where they tried show. to go find. They tried to go find the Jersey Devil, yeah. And obviously, it's TV, so like whatever. But right. it's it's fun. I like that people want to see it, right?
1: I and and again, that's something too that's been like kind of embraced by the people in the area that they've uh, sort of accepted this folklore and. You know, you, basically, you had a bunch of scared religious folk settling in the woods with no electricity, and uh, yeah, that idea would scare the crap out of me too, but now living in the age that we live in, having the sort of technology that we do... It's such a fun idea that we all just embrace it and we're like this is this is rad there's been hoaxes there's been sightings there's been mysterious lore and sightings that are unexplained and all of that together makes such a fun package for the Jersey devil
0: absolutely
1: all right we're we're still in the back half here why don't we move along hit me with your number seven
0: uh, my number seven is the uh the native name is the Olgoi Korkoi, I believe, but its uh, colloquial name is the Mongolian Death Worm.
1: Oh, yeah. This thing's all messed up. Yeah. Why don't you explain it?
0: So the Mongolian Death Worm is this thing that lives supposedly in the Gobi Desert. Um, of, you know, around where Mongolia is. Mm-hmm. And uh, supposedly it is this large. They've described it as a worm, like a smooth uh, folded skin worm with teeth Ugh. that would pop up out of the ground and like attack and kill people. Um I think the I think depictions of its size sort of vary depending on like what account you're looking at. Sure. Uh but like modern tellings about it paint it as more of like a large like monitor lizard size. Mm-hmm. Uh but like older depictions of it depict it as like colossal
1: yeah yeah um
0: the 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 major thing about it though is that this is one that they actually went out and tried to find um the team of scientists traveled the gobi desert for like some extended amount of time and uh to see if it's out there and of course they come they come away with an answer that it might have been some sort of strange skink or a legless lizard that people that just has yet to be identified, yeah sure, um, but uh it also has has been depicted with having like supernatural powers, but no one is credited with ever saying that. it just sort of attained that after a while um so those are part of the story, so to speak um. But, uh, yeah, this thing was also once called, "I believe the intestine worm
1: yeah, I believe so, um which is to say, like a giant tapeworm, right? like yes, which is a super unsettling fact i uh I uh, think yeah, I think this is a super cool idea, simply because we have seen like uh call them sand worms in so many different stories, from like dune to uh
0: specifically why i know about this is tremors
1: tremors thank you i was like losing my mind that i couldn't think of the movie tremors exactly tremors is i think like the coolest rendition you've got them in like uh, beetlejuice as well but still i think tremors is the most badass kind of fun franchise that has anything to do with these sandworms and i it's such a weird creepy idea i think you know a lot Mm -hmm. of people look at open water and are filled with this mystery of like what is in you that i can't see but to live in you know the mongolian desert regions in the gobi desert and look at these vast areas of sand and to think what's beneath that is such a
0: yeah uh The desert is like traditionally so inhospitable in certain Mm -hmm. parts of the planet that like there's probably all sorts of creatures that we'll never know about that are mostly living out in the open because it's like so hard to notice any of these creatures.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's super cool. And, you know, um, as you go through, I've heard of this one, but I wasn't as familiar looking all this stuff up and, you know, believed to be so poisonous that even touching it means instant death. Wow. So crazy, but so cool. And I think, you know, you could possibly describe some of this stuff with like snakes. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I think people have known what snakes and serpents are for so long that to have the description of a large intestine worm is, uh, I don't think that's a snake, bro. <laughs> yeah.
0: If I were to like, if I were to hazard a guess. I imagine that it is probably like some sort of highly adapted legless lizard, Mm -hmm. like literally the creature, a legless lizard that doesn't need any kind of protective coat. So it appears that it has like all skin. Yeah. Um, So that would be my guess. Uh, But if truly there is some sort of account of it being that poisonous, that would be something truly spectacular if someone could identify it because like why does it have that what in the world does it what is it why did it do that (laughs) honestly
1: what's going on? what's the deal with mongolian death worms (laughs) sorry (laughs) i couldn't resist that one but it is it's such a cool creepy gross fantastic idea uh the sandworms in general so cool and unique and different than most of the things that i think uh most people are afraid of. And living on the edge of the desert here, I totally get it. When you look into like, to this vast uh, dunes and sand regions and it looks so vacant of life when in reality, it has a lot of life going on, but the things that are able to survive and thrive there are pretty dangerous creatures.
0: Yes. They have to be.
1: You gotta be. Well, and, you know, speaking of dangerous creatures, should I move on to my number six?
0: I'm excited to hear about your number six dangerous creature. All right. This one was kind of hard for me not to put higher
1: up on the list because I think it's so freaking cool. I love this idea. It's horrifying monster creature. But on doing more research, too, um, I found a lot out about the Wendigo that I did not know before. Oh, okay. Wendigo had to make my list. Um, Honestly, first time I ever heard about it was on Supernatural, the TV show. It was, like, one of the first episodes. Mm -hmm. I think it's the first, like, Monster of the Week episode where they, like, leave and are monster hunting. And that's when the show is super duper good. Uh, I never finished it, but those first three seasons, man, super good. But the Wendigo, um, a First Nation folklore Definitely an evil spirit. Many, many of the First Nation tribes from all over, all the way from Canada on the eastern coast to the Great Plains uh, to the Great Lakes, all the way down into um, even some more of the deserty regions, but mostly wooded cave-like areas, have Mm -hmm. this beast, which some tribes do believe is just a spirit. But a lot of people believe it's more of kind of like the Hollywood version of it, which is to say it is this giant, lanky, awful desecration of a human who, upon eating human flesh and uh, desecrating, desecrating themselves so much, take the form of a Wendigo and they are... Compelled by this greed and unstoppable, insatiable hunger to cannibalize and to eat humans and and feast upon this flesh. And the greatest idea of it is that it's never satisfied. Is that it is constantly hungry and constantly searching for new victims because it doesn't stop. It's like the... It's like the Terminator of of First Nation monsters, <laughs> you know. It doesn't stop. It is just compelled further, and and as it goes, the legend has every time it consumes human flesh, it grows stronger and bigger and greater than it previously was before, making it even harder to destroy. Uh, it's said that it has a heart of ice. Um. Which is a super cool idea, I think, that this thing is so evil that even its own heart functions off of ice, an, in- an immovable object, mm-hmm. you know, that it is so unsettling. And if I ever go camping... Even if it's not a wooded area, I cannot help but think about the Wendigo a little bit when I'm laying down in my tent at night. Because what a scary idea. I even used that when we played uh, Monster, oh, of the week. Monster of the Week. Thank you. I can't remember stuff today, but that's why I have you. <laughs> when uh, <laughs> I was the keeper for Monster of the Week, that was the first thing you guys fought was a Wendigo.
0: Yeah, it was cool. Uh, I'm always, I'm very familiar with the idea that a Wendigo is, like, a spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's one that it's called. Like, it's not one that's always there. It's one that you sort of invite upon yourself uh, by doing cruel things Mm -hmm. or by uh, even so much as uttering its name according to some interpretations. Yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, the Wendigo is a very cool creature that is, like, truly, like, uh, sh- it brings a shiver to you because it is just like this mindless evil that needs to consume and to destroy., uh, and it's not something that you as just a person could really ever take on.
1: Right. Yes, yeah, such uh, such a beast and such a an evil spirit that there's no way you could really take it on. I think it's a super scary and fun, creepy idea. And um, before we move on from it, I I found um, there is even such a thing referred to as Wendigo psychosis. And it's it's very... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know this. Yeah. It's very cultural. Like, you really have to believe in the Wendigo. But if you have it in your head that you need to consume human flesh and that you won't stop until you have it, in today's world, you get checked into a psychiatric hospital.
0: It makes sense. I mean, like, clearly something has gone awry.
1: Yes, very much so.
0: Uh, And that would require help that I don't think you are qualified to give yourself anymore.
1: No, I wouldn't
0: say you are. All right, we're back, everybody. Co-host was gone so long, I think he's a cryptid now. Anyway, (laughs) uh, my number six is perhaps one of the most well-known of the urban creatures for uh, the Americans out there, but it is the Mothman.
1: Oh, good old Mothman. I love it. Tell me about it.
0: The Mothman is one of the few cryptids to be cool enough to have his own movie Indeed. with the Mothman prophecies. Chapstick. Uh um, And uh, uh, the Mothman has an incredibly long, intricate history, some of which involves, like... Uh, I mean, the most famous story is perhaps the, the crew of teenagers that Ooh. ran from the Mothman in their car. Uh, totally. And they were the first ones to describe the, the red eyes that are so famous about the Mothman. Yeah. Um, the Mothman also has varied descriptions, but most agree that it is large, uh, that it has red eyes, and that it resembles either a moth or a bat. Mm -hmm. Um, these are the most common characteristics Uh, some some describe it as being very anthropomorphic in that it looks like a dude but a moth Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the one that's probably what most people think of it also is just sometimes described as a large moth
1: yeah it's like absolutely sometimes it is isn't it and that that goes back quite a ways
0: Yeah, um, I think most people attribute it with the story about the. It was like a toxic waste dumping ground in West Virginia, right? Uh, Um, That, like, the area it originated from in that forest.
1: Right. um, Let's see. And and I will say too, uh, at some point or another, we may see the Mothman pop up again on mine, um, because I love him so so much. I believe. You know, because a lot of a lot of people believe that the Mothman is like a an omen of bad tidings, kind of coming to yes. warn. And I believe in West Virginia, it was a bridge. Uh, people v- kept seeing Mothman for about a year, and it led right up to the collapse of the Silver Bridge, which killed uh, here it is, which killed forty six people that day. And once the bridge collapsed, all the sightings went away at least in that area.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, the eyes are like the Mothman doesn't really ever really confront people. It just sort of is around.
1: Yeah. That's, I think the coolest part of it to me it just,
0: uh, only in that out. one story has it ever like followed people. Most people mm-hmm. just see the Mothman and then it goes away. Um, yeah. so that's fun. Like it's a, it's a cool idea that there's a creature out there Um, And people are always looking for, like, omens, you know? People don't like black cats. People don't like breaking mirrors. People don't like walking under ladders. Um, It's just another one of those things to me. Uh, But the Mothman is a cultural touchstone for a lot of Americans, and particularly uh, for people out in Virginia. Uh, The place where it's from has that Mothman statue that
1: beautiful uh hulking mothman statue yeah <laughs>
0: with hella ass <laughs> it does it's
1: got cheeks for days
0: yeah that's basically what I gotta say about the mothman if we're gonna hear about it later I'll leave some I'll leave some room for you
1: sure yeah no worries I think that uh, uh yeah we'll be able to fill in a little bit more even and it's a great segue you talking about omens uh is a perfect thing to lead me into my number five. Oh, so uh, my number five is a little bit different. And yet it's uh, it's lore goes back again, almost like to the beginning of when people are writing stuff down and starting to formulate history. Okay. And that is the black shuck. Also, ooh, I don't
0: know if I know this one. Ooh,
1: yeah, the black shuck. Uh, that goes by a couple different names. Um, Old Shuck, um, I guess Old Shock I'd never heard of, or simply The Shuck, is any time you've ever heard of, like, the Black Dog. From Led Zeppelin's Black Dog to all these other omens throughout time, a lot of it comes from Britain and the British Isles in general. In the UK, most of this is where we see black shuck and again most people believe it is an omen that when you see the black shuck someone close to you or yourself may be dying soon it may be um a warning to not go the way you're going a lot a lot of people see the shuck as a huge black shaggy dog with these fiery eyes and a okay. lot of people tend to report their sightings when traveling, so there's kind of this debate that a lot of people have in like the uh, cryptid zoology kind of field, which is to say, is it an omen? Is it a guardian of travelers, or is it just a hellhound that shows up? Um, even like uh, the black dog in Harry Potter is. It's supposed to be a nod to the Black Shuck Um, This hulking beast of a dog There's all these different stories of people just seeing it A lot like the Mothman, right? It just kind of shows up and stares at you And then retreats back into the shadows Uh, And then there are some reports of people saying This black hellhound with glowing eyes Attacked these people or this person or what have you But... um, I love that interpretation of the openness that, you know, if what I like to believe is that it's more of an omen slash guardian of poor fate to warn you. Either turn around or where you're going is going to lead to bad things or even just to show itself to you to kind of give you a heads up that uh, bad things are coming your way. And I think it's a very interesting thing. And if you go back through history, um, you, you get stuff as far back as, like, the 1500s. And um, I believe even before that, there's people talking about the lore of these giant black dogs that always seem to be alone. They never seem to travel in a, in a pack or anything. Um, and, yeah, again, I know I said it a few times, but I love that idea of what is it? What is it? Is it an omen? Is it a guardian? Or is it just a a hellhound that might not attack every time it sees someone?
0: Yeah, the the idea of these animals or these creatures or these spirits or whatever Mm -hmm. that have this unknown nature or we can only assume its nature are always the most fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're easily like the most fun to think about and imagine if they were real. Oh, Um, yeah. Because I think uh, in human nature when something's motivation is unclear is when someone's the most interested because that's all anyone wants to know because it's like a safety device right totally. of like people just want to figure out what this thing wants yeah. and then once you do it's either go with it or don't mm-hmm. uh, and something like that that's like people just know that they've seen it and then if they were traveling bad things have happened
1: right.
0: uh, that's like that's like a weird thing to think about, like the rest of your life potentially.
1: Yeah, absolutely. To always think about that one night where you you swear you saw that dog with red eyes, and quickly followed, you know, by all these bad bad news or bad times or what have you. Uh, I think it's I think it's super fascinating, super cool, and uh, yeah, that's why it is my my number five pick of this mysterious ghostly visage of a dog which even before we move on really quick something you were saying about trying to understand why is uh it speaks to human nature very much i think that's even why a lot of people myself included are so interested by like serial killers because it's so far out of most people's realm of understanding like how Mm -hmm. could you do that why would you do that what would compel you to do this to people, it's this huge mystery, and we're trying to fill it in and understand it. And that's why it's interesting to so many people. I think the Black Shuck falls into that sort of idea. But mm. I think that we got to kick this a little bit into gear and hit your number five pick.
0: Well, let me tell you in regards to your Black Shuck, I sure wish somebody would have told the cast of Lost about a Black Shuck. Would have Ooh. saved me from three seasons of really bad TV. Anyway, my number <laughs> five is the Jackalope.
1: Ooh, Jackalope. I thought this thing was real for years.
0: The, I love the Jackalope because it's one of the only cryptids that stays a cryptid, but is absolutely not real. Totally. <laughs> uh, I love it because what an adorable little thing. Truly. It's just a rabbit with antlers. So cute. It's so funny. Its history. Uh, its history is real dumb. Basically, it was like a couple of hunters needed some money and they went to go taxidermy a rabbit. Um, And in the shop, the rabbit's carcass just ended up next to a pair of antlers. And one of the hunters was like, yo, that looks kind of cool. What if we like what if we like taxidermied the bunny with some antlers and sold it as like a weird creature we found? And thus the jackalope was born.
1: Oh, that's so great. I didn't even know about that story. That's so fun. It it will always remind me of, I mean, it was embarrassing. I must have been in like the sixth grade or something, um, if not maybe middle school, because I remember getting like really made fun of for it. But yeah, sitting in class and I was like, well, what about the jackalope? Because we were talking about like kind of like hybrid animals, I guess. Oh, yes. Evolution and how that can lead to animals having like similar traits to others. And I was like, well, the jackalope is a perfect example. (laughs) And the whole (laughs) class was like, are are you serious right now? And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? They're like, oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) Well, I moved to Arizona when I was like eight and a half, nine. I, I just thought it was a thing that I hadn't seen yet. (laughs)
0: yeah like the jackalope is a very southwestern thing uh like you you only ever really hear about it like in the deserts and um famously the one of my favorite depictions of the jackalope is in the uh scooby-doo movie with aliens in it they end up in a a, they end up tossed off in a desert and when the screen comes on to them there's a there's a flash of a jackalope on the screen and i love it i just love that it's there so wonderful Uh, There's really not a lot to the jackalope. There are statues of it in various towns. There's a town in Utah that has like declared itself jackalope central, Mm -hmm. um, which sure, I guess, I guess you can be jackalope central. Have at it folks. Um, (laughs) uh, But it's a cute creature. Uh, It's very iconic for Southwest people that like Southwestern cryptids as we apparently do, given that on our list is the chupacabra. Oh yeah. Um, Uh, but, uh, yes, uh, the Jackalope great time. If you don't know the Jackalope, I highly recommend you look at some great pictures of ones that have been sold to people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's so many images that I think that's why child JJ just thought that they were
0: real. It's like, Oh, look at all this evidence. (laughs) Yeah. There's all sorts of Jackalope bodies you can find.
1: Yeah. And it is. It's so fun. It's so neat. And it's just cute. And it's it's not like a scary story. It's not this weird lore that has all this shrouded mystery. It's just a fun idea.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I will say, uh, just because like that's pretty much it for the Jackalope, Ooh. we talked about how my number four is the Jersey Devil. And that's I don't funny. have a lot more to add about the Jersey Devil. So sure. we'll just jump into your uh, number five, and then your you can go right into your number four as well.
1: Well, I think that I did my number five was the Black Shuck. I'm on I'm on number four now.
0: Right, that's the order in which we did this. Ah,
1: so I should move <laughs> four, and then I'll just scoot along into my number three. We'll give a little shout yes. out to the Jersey Devil in there in between when we get to uh, our top three. So my number four, um, again. Going into the indigenous people of North America, in particular, Navajo culture really is where this stems from. Ah. And most Navajo, I believe, would be upset to hear anyone talking about it. It's one of those things, like you said before, um, we talked about it with the Wendigo. Uh, Navajo really believe that if you speak often of something, it tends to call it. It tends to bring this force closer to you in your life, and something that you would never want close to your life is a skinwalker.
0: So I was gonna, I was gonna pipe in, and before you even said the name, yeah. I, I was told once uh, that I saw one oh. uh, when I was in college. Oh, uh, but uh,
1: oh well, I might need to know more uh, before we go into that because I'm super curious um, <laughs> for people who are uh, uninitiated. Basically, the Navajo, and I I do think that there are other First Nation cultures and communities that believe in this, but in particular, it comes from the Navajo uh, culture, is basically, you know, you've got medicine people, you have uh, healers, and you have witches. Sometimes a witch is, I mean, a, a witch is always evil, is always working towards evil things. And sometimes uh, a witch could disguise themselves as a healer or, or portray themselves as a healer to the community to gain their trust when, in reality, they have very evil intentions. And when these witches, who can be men or women, I believe, um, perform these evil, twisted ceremonies, uh, they manipulate magic... Um, which is traditionally used to perform good and, and healing in terms of medicine, when you are able to, it's kind of similar to the Wendigo in a fashion that you desecrate your own self into such a way, I believe, I'm not seeing it right now, but I believe that you have to take the life of another human before you can, well, if you want to call it, ascend to being a skinwalker, which is to say you can take the form of animals. Uh, I believe that the Navajo word roughly translates to it goes on all fours. It really is just to say that you have that ability. Um, it also goes on, lots of stories exist of goat men or dogmen or these kind of anthropomorphic standing on two feet, way too tall. Animals, And a lot of that comes from skinwalkers. Skinwalkers are horribly evil, only ever want to do bad, and have gotten that way over years of evil practice. Um, I think it's super interesting. Um, It's one of those things, to me, that's like, you know, what if? What if? And, And for anyone who doesn't know anything about Skinwalker Ranch, highly recommend to look it up. I believe it's in Utah. And there is just so many weird paranormal things going on in that in that ranch, in that area. They've closed it off, I believe, to to the public because there's so much weird stuff and people are always trying to investigate it and get more stuff. But read some of those stories. Uh, I think there's way too much there for me to unpack here in this kind of fun, lighthearted <laughs> podcast. But The yeah, the idea of a skinwalker runs very deep and I think is very interesting. And if you want, I would love to hear a little bit about being told you saw one once. Uh,
0: Yes. Skinwalker Ranch. That's what George Lucas bought uh, in honor (laughs) of Star Wars. Yes. Yes. Jar Jar
1: was born there.
0: Yeah. Um, No. uh, So when I was in college, I was driving home. Uh, So something if you don't know about skinwalkers is that they do take the form of animals and they're very pot skinwalkers are very closely associated with Arizona as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of Navajo here. Yes. Uh, some of the things that they most commonly get reported as are like rabbits and as, uh, like wolves and coyotes. Uh, so I was driving home at 3am one time and just like in the middle of the road, uh, kind of out of nowhere out, out walks this coyote. (laughs) <laughs> like in the middle of a suburban street. And I was like, there is no reason that this thing should be out here. And then I just, uh, I would tell everyone is like a fun story, but a couple people are like, that was a skinwalker. He was trying to get you to, uh, make some sort of decision that would hurt you. Cause that's one of the things is mm-hmm. skinwalkers often turn into animals while you're driving yeah. so that you swerve out of the way and tip your car. Um, and uh people kept telling me it was a skinwalker and that's not mm. obviously not what I believe sure but that is I often tell people that that's what people tell me it was because yeah. it's a good conversation starter if
1: if we're suspending our disbelief and having a conversation about cryptids I think that's a very fun story yeah it's very interesting and it goes hand in hand with like so many of these stories that you do hear um and and sometimes you hear these stories of an animal on the side of the road, kind of like as the headlights hit, it looks yep. like it's in between states. Like it's like, it's a coyote, but it's standing up and it has like some human parts. But yeah. as you get closer, it's a coyote. And and usually, yeah, they're, they're trying to derail you or they're trying to get you to get out of the car. Um, I've heard a lot of those stories. Yeah, it's a... Uh, It goes right into this dark witchcraft that I think really is just unsettling. Whether you believe in it or not, witchcraft, uh, not in like a pagan sort of sense, but the way that the Navajo believe it to be is uh, dark, evil, insidious stuff. So I think that that's very
0: uh, uh, unsettling to think about, yeah i will have cool. to look up that skinwalker ranch i've never heard of that before.
1: oh there's so much there's books there's documentaries um yeah very weird there's lots of ufo stuff as well as paranormal stuff as well as like cattle being found with two puncture wounds and their blood gone and stuff like that there's so much weird stuff that happens on skinwalker ranch
0: oh my god is this like the is this like the kong Skull island thing dude is the, is there a portal to the center of the earth there <laughs> where all the cryptids come from
1: well i think that's a theory i think that one of the theories there is that like there could be a dimensional vortex or something like that i think that's one of the big theories about the area and that uh you know these these wow. creatures or stuff could break through there yeah wow so now that's fun very fun stuff um Give another quick shout-out to the Jersey Devil as your number four. And moving into my number three, this one had to be on my top three. Uh, It moved around a little bit when I was making this list, but it had to be top three because it's just, like, deep down inside, one of my absolute favorites, and kind of like the jackalope. It's not a scary thing. It's not something that has hurt all these people. It's it's, uh, fun, and that is nessie the loch ness monster
0: loch ness monster let me tell you jj hmm. my number three also happens to be the loch ness monster yeah,
1: we did it <laughs> good for us i love it so much since i just went on about skinwalkers why don't you take the reins on Lochy on loch ness i almost called it locky
0: <laughs> good old locky Um, the Loch Ness monster also called Nessie Nessie. uh, was one of the first cryptid creatures I ever learned about when I was young. Absolutely. Um, so I was obsessed with it as a kid and especially because most people theorized it was a dinosaur, some sort of plesiosaur. Yeah. Um, I was like, I, if it's real, I need to see it. I need to go find it. I need to go to Ireland or Scotland and figure out where this is. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I love it. Um, the amount of investigation yeah. into the Loch Ness Monster is crazy. Totally. The amount of hoaxes that are involved with it. <laughs> um, super fun. Um, yeah, uh, the Loch Ness Monster is great. Also because like, people have debated in earnest about whether or not a plesiosaur could live in this isolated lake. That is like a few miles wide. That's right. And have no one and have no one figure it out for millennia.
1: Right, right. And it's genuinely earnestly debated, and I love that. Um, I think uh, it's yeah. It there's so many ideas. If you want to go with the dinosaur, with the plesiosaurus, um, some people I think even believe that like, well, what if at the bottom of Loch Ness there's a crevice that leads to the inner Earth? And then you get into like this weird inner earth theory
0: that's just hollow earth.
1: Yes. (laughs) Which is just, you know, uh, you can believe what you want to believe. I think that one's a little too far out there for me. But um, what a fun idea that dinosaurs might still exist beneath the crust of the earth and Nessie is able to kind of come in and out of that crevice. So Mm -hmm. whenever people do a sweep using technology, that's why, that's why Nessie's not there.
0: (laughs) That's some Santa Claus level convenience. Let me tell you,
1: it truly is. But before we move on from Nessie, I think you summed it up perfectly. And, uh, it makes me very happy just in general, I think because it's one of the first ones I ever learned about there is a theory uh, held by some people. Uh, you know, theory I think is a pretty loose word these days. But there is an idea um so Alistair Crowley. Hypothesis. What? There's a hypothesis. Hypothesis. There we go. There is a hypothesis um now Alistair Crowley, uh famed occultist, poet, uh religion creator
0: uh, known uh, sane person
1: yes absolutely <laughs> totally the most sane um alistair crowley and if you're unfamiliar look the dude up it's kind of a mess but it's super fascinating um
0: and very worth your time that dude led a hell of a life
1: absolutely i i think i would be well the name Alistair might have crossed my mind when we were looking at boy names for my son to be <laughs> it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was short lived, did not stick around for very long, but it was an idea for a minute. Alistair Crowley, uh, he bought a castle that's fairly close to Loch Ness. Um, I can't remember its exact proximity, but it's close. And he did go to Loch Ness with some of his uh, religious followers and perform these rituals to summon something now the the records are very vague about what he's trying to summon whether it was a demon or the devil or a monster or a dinosaur or what but he actually went there with his followers and he actually did this ritual but i guess like somewhere in between he got like busy or distracted or something as you know one is wont to do when you hold so many titles as occultist poet and all these other things and he left and he never finished the rituals so some people believe Alistair Crowley might have summoned this uh I don't know what you want to call her an in- interdimensional being um and that's what Nessie is and because he never finished the ritual she's stuck there
0: Oh, that's fucked up on so many levels.
1: Isn't it just? Isn't it just? I love it. I had to share that little bit before we move on, but I think, yeah, I'm glad that Nessie was both of our number
0: three. Yeah, uh, I'm also glad to learn that we both respect good old Loch Ness in such a way.
1: And, you know, it's interesting, too, that so many lakes around the world have their own Nessie. Like, I think Lake Tahoe has uh, Tessie, um yes there's in Canada they have like what's it called Ogopogo
0: or something like that the Ogopogo yeah Yeah. the Ogopogo also almost made it onto my list
1: yeah super fun one actually I really like the uh the lore behind that one but all of these bodies of water a lot like we talked about with the sand you know it's like Kind of where the kraken comes from. Probably sailors saw like giant squid, had no idea what it was, assumed it was like this beast, this kraken, this thing. Mm -hmm. These bodies of water just lead us to wonder and like uh, pontificate about what might be in there because we don't
0: really know. Absolutely. Well... So I guess this brings us
1: to the top two, right? This does. This moves us to n- number two. Um, I guess I'll do mine first. Sure. Cool. Um, so one that we've already touched on, um, but not quite in this way. This was a hard one for me because it's probably one of the most easy to say, come on, it's a little ridiculous, but it's so much fun and is probably the second like cryptid that I ever learned about. And I actually did go with just its kind of most broad name that it goes by, Bigfoot. I had to put Bigfoot in the top three because...
0: He's a a monster. He's He's a big one.
1: He's a big one. But the thing that I love so much about Bigfoot in general is that this idea exists in so many different cultures around the world. Um, You have Bigfoot, you have Sasquatch, which is like Mm -hmm. very much used in like the Pacific Northwest, I think. Um, You have the Abominable Snowman, the Yeti, the Abominable Snowman, which is like a little bit of a more fierce kind of like if you were to think of bears, it's like the polar bear version of Bigfoot, mm-hmm. right? It's bigger, it's stronger, it's supposed to have bigger fangs and all this stuff and be a little more aggressive than the other ones because that's what it needs to do to survive where it lives. Uh, in Australia, they call it the Yowie.
0: The um, Yowie, yeah. The
1: Yowie, which is such a great name. And you know, you've got the skunk ape in Florida. Uh, I've heard of the Momo in Missouri. There's so many, and these, you know, a lot of the cultures I just said are North American, but it really is all over the globe. People, I think, are fascinated with the idea of, like, maybe when they just see something weird that their brain doesn't understand what they just saw, they like to fill in, what if there's this missing link between us and our ancestors? And, and what if that's Bigfoot? And um, I think that, like, all these searches for Bigfoot, honestly, I don't love that. I think that the idea of Bigfoot exists in that in-between state of knowing and not knowing and that that's mm. what makes it so exciting and fun
0: yeah uh sometimes i forget that sort of like the big draw to bigfoot is the idea of its evolutionary precedent mm-hmm. of like being like this is a slightly less evolved a human Uh, but like, then there's the, then there's the other way of going of like, what if they're just a human that evolved differently?
1: So yeah, that, that I think like, if I were to suspend my disbelief fully and just say, yes, I believe in Bigfoot, I think my gut would kind of lead me to think like, it was probably an off, like a branch, you know, an offshoot that was a little different and didn't want maybe to live in like. I don't know, I don't know, but like it didn't want to be around the greater community of humans. It wanted to live in these isolated mountainous, foresty regions for whatever reason um yeah,
0: like when you when you read about Bigfoot and all the sightings, they're always described as like huge with enormous strength and a lot of speed, and it's like clearly Bigfoot doesn't need a data entry job, you
1: know <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Um, I I think it's a lot of fun. I don't really think there's too much more to say. There is one very quick story that I heard uh, that I thought was really interesting. And um, I think near the border of Arizona and Mexico, there's an area that they kind of refer to as no man's land. Um, Uh uh, Authorities from either Mexico or Arizona or the U.S., whatever you want to... Classify, they don't go there. It's just, it's kind of no man's land. Like, what happens out there kind of is what happens out there. Like, if people were to get stranded, of course, people would go try to find them. But there's so much stuff that happens out there in terms of, like, you know, immigration and all these things that you have officials out there monitoring. And usually what happens is, so I've heard all these stories from people that, you know, By all rights, uh, you know, anyone can lie. Anyone can lie. But sometimes you're like, why would they lie about that? There's a lot of reasons that people would lie about this. But there's people out there, tons of stories. One of my favorites and most interesting of a spin on kind of Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever, is there's this story of these people who are out doing a survey and as the people there's like usually a team of two they drive up and they're doing a survey uh and there's usually a person in like a tower with technology that lets them see infrared and Mm -hmm. they're walking about and they hear these noises and they're like but we don't see anything obviously the two who are surveying just think probably a mountain lion and that's nothing to mess with right that is A huge concern for anyone Whether you're armed or not Mountain lions will mess you up In a heartbeat And so they're cautious But then all of a sudden they get a radio And the radio's from the the person Back in the tower or whatever Who's surveying with the infrared And they say, alright, you guys need a You guys need a hustle, get back to your car You guys are done, please leave And they're like, well we haven't completed what we came out here for And they're like, that's fine, get back to your car And leave now And there's always this mystery kind of aspect to it. We didn't see anything out there, but years go by and as that person who is doing uh, the infrared part is leaving and they are about to retire, there's all these stories, you know, you have a glass of whiskey on their last shift and they start opening up a little bit or they might start answering some questions and there are lots of people that believe in a large ape-like creature that lives in no man's land that might have the ability to cloak itself. They think they live in families in small packs of like three to four and not much more. They think that it's usually two parents and like one or two children. They hide and they only try to scare people off away from the rest of the family. They never actually seem to attack anybody. They just seem to dr- try to drive them away from a point that is kind of believed to be probably where that family lives. And I think that that idea is extremely neat.
0: That is a very fun idea.
1: Yeah. If, if uh, you're curious, I think there's an episode of a podcast called Spooked, which is a fantastic fantastic spooky podcast if you want to find one i believe that's where i heard that first store that firsthand account
0: part of that story rings familiar to me the idea of that person calling them back to their car uh, mm-hmm. so yeah i think i have also heard that one yeah
1: super cool i think but i've been going for a while uh why don't you hit me we're almost done here what's your number mm-hmm. two
0: pick my number two is uh, another famous to the southwest uh, cryptid, which is the Thunderbird.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you put the Thunderbird on yours. It almost went on mine, but it didn't quite. Uh, the make
0: Thunderbird. It. The it. Thunderbird has a lot of uh, history with indigenous people. Um, they they it has served as everything from a predator to the explanation of why storms and rain happen. Um. People say that when they see the Thunderbird, when it flaps its wings, thunder happens and lightning erupts from its eyes. Uh, it's uh, it's something that's been a part of folklore for a long time. And was at one time used to explain things that the indigenous people couldn't explain like storms. Sure. Um, it is now something that people have just adopted as a sort of cryptid creature, mostly because of a very famous account of two large birds that attacked a young boy in his yard and, uh, carried him and took him away for like 30 feet before the mom came out and scared the birds and dropped him. I, I
1: remember this story now. I think we've talked about this before. That's crazy. I always forget about that.
0: And people often attribute it to the Thunderbird. Uh, there are witness accounts of this that cannot be explained. Um, they describe what kind of sounds like an eagle. Um, but eagles are not necessarily known to attack children. Yeah. They're mostly, they're mostly inclined to go get fish and lizards.
1: Right. They can get birds of prey, get big, but I, you know, the size of the Thunderbird is supposed to be pretty immense.
0: It's supposed to be like, some people describe it as like the size of an airplane. Yeah. Um, like enormous some people just describe it as an abnormally large bird there's a good there's a video that people purport is a thunderbirds but is most likely of turkey vultures um Mm. because they look fucking crazy also turkey vultures are nightmare awful animals oh yeah um but uh yeah the thunderbird is a really fun cryptid uh particularly to the southwest um It has a lot of depictions, too. Like most people will paint it as like a like a bald eagle kind of thing or like a hawk. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, I love looking at those. Uh, Also, famously, uh, Arizona has a Thunderbird Road. That's Uh, right. Then it is named after that. And one of the most uh, famous business schools in the country is the Thunderbird School of Management. So you can thank the creator of rain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I I love the Thunderbird. I I really love a lot of the indigenous North American lores like we've talked about. But the Thunderbird in particular is just such a neat idea. And I got to even just my last little thing is uh, fantastic beasts and where to find them. Probably one of my favorite beasts in there is the Thunderbird, who really doesn't play a huge, huge role in the movie but is so cool looking (laughs) their design in that movie is just so cool. And I love the, the lore and the legends and all the, uh, you know, explanations for natural occurrences and events that come from it, but how they all lead into basically in my brain, the coolest looking bird ever.
0: Yes, absolutely. It is among the finest birds um i don't know if this is exclusively the case but i'm pretty sure the pokemon braviary is mostly based on depictions of the thunderbird oh that Um, makes sense yeah
1: very cool very very cool
0: well now i will say mm -hmm. that my number one is a repeat um oh so do we want to just do that one? Because if your number one's not a repeat, we might as well end on something well we haven't talked about yet.
1: My number one is a repeat from your list. Oh really? It is indeed.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yep. We really I, I knew there'd be some overlap, but this really threw us a little bit here. This really uh the the crypto wrench in the in the gears. <laughs> wow yeah so since we both have them i'll let you end so um if we want to move to my number one and then we'll push on to yours absolutely okay so if uh listeners have been paying attention i mentioned earlier that mine would come up again from your list so my number one is just what i think is so cool the mothman (laughs) good old george s mothman Good old Mothman. Um, I love the idea. I really, really love the idea of Mothman. Um, There's the Point Pleasant stuff, and there's the Mothman prophecies. Uh, There's all this fun, crazy, weird ideas about it. But if you go back, there's a lot of little cases of Mothman showing up in, like, old artwork and stuff like that. And it tends to happen around disasters um yeah and let's see i had some pulled up here and of course i'm having trouble finding it now but uh there's a lot of ufologists will try to keep track of mothman sightings because a lot of people wonder who what mothman is so if it's always foreshadowing all these terrible things like there's there's mothman sightings as uh Recent, you know, 1999. Um, and it, he showed up a lot in Moscow before the Russian apartment bombings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of those stories around there. There is a photo recently, uh, it comes from like 2016. A guy was driving around West Virginia, actually, and swears that he saw the Mothman. If you look at the picture, I think it's got to be a fake but again if we're suspending our disbelief i think the idea of this like possibly interdimensional being that like comes to warn us is and that warning keeps popping up in my in my list too that omen aspect is i think very interesting to humans i think people just love that idea of something coming to warn us that knows ahead of time and whether you know, it's not like it's like dogs know when a tornado's coming. It's not a Mm -hmm. natural event. It's like bombings, the collapsing of bridges. And it goes back throughout time to being found in these weird uh, depictions. And even if you do just look at the Point Pleasant aspect of it, there was so many people. And maybe they saw a really big crane, or maybe they saw something else, but I love the idea of this, you know, eight to ten foot tall man-like winged and huge, like, ten foot wingspan, you know, creature with these red glowing eyes that isn't trying to hurt anybody. It's just trying to warn them and trying to uh, just be there and it just seems to show up throughout these certain events and there's really not a lot of explanation and uh i i don't know i just think it's fascinating
0: absolutely uh the mothman is a is a national treasure
1: true um
0: i would also love for the mothman to just turn out to be some sort of like forgotten human knowledge about like being able to sense when things are going to go bad. Yeah. All right. I think we're, we're good now. All right. So, so my number one, my number one is El Chupacabra. Ooh, so spooky. Why is that your Uh, number one? The Chupacabra is one that I have. I sort of explained it when you talked about it, Mm -hmm. which is like, it's one of the ones that of all of these might be real uh like there there might be some sort of dog lizard creature out there yeah that we just haven't seen yet um there has been a number of explanations about it which are like the idea that some sightings have been dogs with mange uh, and parasites um and that's perfectly explainable but like the idea that there is something out there that has yet to be identified, even now, is really fun and very exciting. Um, I also loved all the various pictures of it uh, that have been done of like the spiked lizardy kind of depiction of it. The one that looks almost alien. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. Uh, the chupacabra is just an all-time classic. Um, I will always be interested to hear about the chupacabra or some kind of random sighting someone has seen. Um yeah, that's really all I have to add about our good friend El Chupe.
1: Yeah, I, I totally am with you on that. I think, you know, you look up images of El Chupacabra and you find like mostly dogs or like even like I think a wallaby with mange. Yeah. Very much describes the look of what people see. But then you also have zoologists in the modern world getting stumped by it and seeing yeah. this thing. And they're like, no, it wasn't a dog with mange. Like if you Google image search, you see a lot of dogs with mange um, or other skin conditions too. It's, and they're like, it's not that. And it just doesn't come close to explaining finding cattle drained of blood with just like one or two punctures. It, and that's and, it. There's no
0: other signs of violence. Right.
1: A a dog... You know, the way dogs and wolves go after things are uh, very jugular and very vicious and there's a lot of thrashing involved to rip and tear and uh, that's just not what this kind of lizard creature thing does.
0: Also, it never really uh, has gone after a human ever. It's always attacked cattle and so i think in that way it's sort of like a safe one where it's like you could maybe observe a chupacabra and it wouldn't immediately try to attack you because it might not want to
1: yeah it might not want to it might be living on like the the dregs of acceptable life and is just trying its best to survive you hear some stories of like farmers and, and people coming out and like scaring things away in the shadows that they couldn't really see, but they couldn't explain. But the fact that if you run out and start, either you fire a shot from your shotgun or you start shouting and whacking the fence with a stick, it takes off running. Um, If it didn't, I think we'd probably have a dead one that we could examine, right? But the story goes and the story continues.
0: Indeed. Well, that appears to be our top 10 cryptids. Woo.
1: I liked that one. Now, that was a lot of
0: fun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, now, we, here's the thing is, in terms of deciding what joins the Hall of Best Things Ever, oh, we yeah. have quite a bit of overlap on our lists. We really do have a lot of overlap here. So we've got the Mothman. We do. That one's my we've got the. My we've got the Chupacabra, and we've got the Jersey Devil. Yes. Oh, and the Loch Ness, and the Loch Ness oh, Monster.
1: Oh, and Nessie. Oh, Nessie. You know, personally as much as I love Mothman and I love the idea of wanting to believe in Bigfoot and I love all these other ideas to me, like the quintessential most beautiful little cryptoid is Nessie.
0: I I'm inclined to agree. I was also going to say maybe Nessie should be it. Like for a lot of people, I think people learn about Nessie as the dinosaur living in the lake Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it, it sort of is like this founding father of cryptids
1: yeah i agree and whatever explanations you have for it at the end of the day it's just one of those really fun ones and i think that that's what the heart of cryptids is all about is like you can take it seriously and you can really do your research and get deep down in this stuff or you can just have a lot of fun thinking about it and i think nessie's like the perfect description of that or embodiment rather
0: Cool. Absolutely. I like it. And I think, uh, yeah, then welcome Loch Ness Monster, also known as Nessie, to the Hall of Best Things Ever.
1: Woo! Congratulations, Nessie!
0: Well, folks, thanks for enjoying this edition of It's Just a Countdown. Remember, if you want to submit an idea for us to rank, be sure to send them over to countdown at gmail.com. Again, that's countdown at gmail.com.
1: Are you upset? Are you thrilled? Don't worry about it because remember, it's, it's just, just a, a countdown. countdown. I joined you for it. I did it this time. Ooh, I'll make it work. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: You'll hear us next. Week. And-